Greetings and welcome to the Audio Tidbits Podcast Network. We hope you enjoy the show. We hear a lot in the news about immigration and refugees and a discussion about whether or not these folks should be permitted to seek asylum, to get asylum in the United States. A lot of the discussion seems to revolve around whether or not the people are worthy, whether or not they are the kinds of people we would like to have in our country, whether or not we are better off or worse off for giving them shelter, giving them asylum. I'd like to play for you today an interview that I had with Mead Wilkins a while back. As you listen to what Mead has to say, I'd like for you to think about whether or not these people deserve asylum, whether or not we have any responsibility for their care and well-being. I think it's a decision that each of us needs to make, but also is an important decision our country needs to make. Please listen, and then you can decide for yourself. My guest today is Mead Wilkins. What would you like our listeners to know about you? Well, I am a semi-retired child welfare social worker who worked in the mental health and child welfare field for about 44 years and officially retired in March. And I came over to Catholic Charities to see if I could volunteer and help with any of the Syrian immigration crisis. And as it turned out, Catholic Charities had been awarded a grant for which they could not find staffing for. So they ended up offering me the position and I took it. So now I'm reemployed as part of my retirement plan. The grant, uh, Catholic Charities in Cleveland settles about 400 refugees a year. They provide all sorts of employment training, English classes, housing, helping with benefits, helping with a lot of the medical appointments and medical treatment because of resources that Cleveland has to offer. One of the grants that they receive from the federal government is to work with survivors of torture. This is a program that I became the clinical director of. And so as of March of this year, I've been the clinical director for the Ohio Center for survivors of torture. What kind of things do you do that you think make a difference to people that make a difference to you? Well, the the people that make a difference to me are both the clients and the staff. Now, part of the issue with the, the clients are these are folks that are coming from all over the world, Congo, Bhutan, Syria, Iraq, some from Central America, and they're, they're coming out of refugee camps where they've been for a considerable amount of time, sometimes up to 20 years, and they are selected because they either have very severe medical problems or they've been severely tortured, and usually that results in large mass casualties in terms of their families, their husbands, their fathers, their siblings. So part of the thing that we're trying to do with folks who have survived torture in these different countries and mass executions sexual trauma is provide wraparound services to them, both physical, mental, behavioral, economic, spiritual, etc., and trying to help them move forward in their adjustment to the United States. A lot of these folks come from countries for which there's no behavioral health care, so they don't really 
demonstrate traditional PTSD symptoms. They tend to be very psychosomatic and require lots of medical care and try to be patient with them and to help them both learn the American system and then work through the system in terms of being able to get on a bus and go to the Cleveland Clinic, get their medications refilled, take the medications correctly, and also then provide some group work with them. So these folks then are all, depending on the different languages, eligible to participate in wellness groups, which we run on a regular basis. And kind of the mantra that we plagiarize from Bellevue Hospital, it doesn't have to be therapy to be therapeutic. So a lot of times just getting folks together in these kind of wellness groups where they have other people who speak the same language, who they can start to network with, I think matters a lot in terms of their well-being. The second half of that is working with the staff who then have to do a large part of this work and absorb a lot of those stories and histories that these folks are being with them. So from that standpoint, really try to be very patient, non-judgmental. They're going to make mistakes and to be very supportive and help to empower them in the work that they do on a daily basis with these clients who a large part are in crisis and just just drop in so you know their day they have their whole day scheduled and then as soon as they walk in there's three people outside the door who have crises that that need to be handled that day what do you do to handle all the trauma you know you're exposed to all of that on a pretty regular basis how does that affect you and how do you deal with that that's a good question too and it's, it's a really fine line because I don't want to say I'm desensitized to it, but to some degree I am. After 44 years, and came in out of child welfare and sex abuse and physical abuse, to some degree, you do become slightly desensitized to that immediate trauma. I had a lady that I saw for counseling. She has two children. She came over from Nepal. Her husband worked and lost his job, and he, she went to work about three weeks ago, he bought a gallon of kerosene, went in the backyard, poured it over himself, lit himself on fire, and then came rushing into the house saying that he changed his mind and her family had to deal with that. Then he died later that day. So that was a horribly traumatic event. You can be desensitized, but there's only that only goes so far and you hear a horrible story like that. That's a very small part of it is that it, it is very upsetting. And so for me, it's, it's really trying to eat well, but also doing lots of physical activities. How do you get your positive feedback? What, what do you value about what you do then? Well, I think that um, the feedback, I mean, people are very thankful. I mean, they're, they're one of the things about refugees, uh, as opposed to people in child welfare, is the refugees are extremely appreciative, and they know that you don't have to do this and you're doing that. So they, the feedback in large part comes from direct expression on their part. But the other thing that happens is the way that Cleveland is is that we're probably getting some of the worst situations from the worst places in the world because we're, because we're Cleveland um, and because we have the Cleveland Clinic and, and University Hospitals and that kind of stuff. But but generally, the the refugee population is very appreciative, and the staff, which is very young and 
some of them are religiously oriented, some of them are miracle volunteers, are, are very uh, excited to be here and do this work. So you, you get a lot of really positive energy internally from the different staff and the teams, as well as externally from the refugee families themselves. What kind of advice do you have for our listeners in terms of what they might do to make a difference to people who make a difference to them? You know, I think, you know, again, to kind of process that a bit, is I do think that the one of the things that comes out of refugee treatment is called bearing witness. It's a kind of a mindful technique in terms of being present with the folks as they talk about their torture narrative, etc. I still think that that is as critical as anything. So again, the, the term is, is, is coming out of the literature of bearing witness, but it's kind of known as just being present so that you're just 100% with them as they talk about what happened. You're not you know, thinking about... Um, what you have to do for dinner, you're not thinking about whatever, and you are just 100% giving them your, their, your undivided attention, which is really, you know, empathic and uh, hopefully empowering to them at the same time. Just, I don't think there's anything probably more valuable than you have than your 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 willing attention.
music by Kevin McLeod.